the Gen X Voice podcast. I'm your host, Trish the Dish. And this week's guest is has become a really good friend of mine during the pandemic. Tom is from the Pod Jerky podcast and the Northern Touch podcast. And I'm so excited to sit down with him and kind of unpack what it was like being a Gen Xer in Canada in the 80s and 90s. We talk a little bit about his b-boy years and how he came into podcasting, how he got into starting a new podcast with one of Canada's um, most beloved MCs, Thrust, and um, just his overall, I don't know, he's one of the coolest people I know. So it is such an honor to have him on the podcast he, like I said, he's like a brother to me. So thank you, Tom, so much for being a guest on the podcast. And just want to um, remind you all that season one will be coming to a close at the end of May. I do have a couple more episodes after this, and then I will be heading off to my virtual pod tour where I'm going to be guesting on some pretty cool podcasts um, sharing my, you know, desire to destroy ageism, um, as well as shine a light to um, our generation. And uh, make sure that you stay in touch with me because I'm not really going anywhere. I'm going to still be posting on all my socials, asking really important questions um, <laughs> in the Facebook group. And I'll put all the links to the Facebook group. Um, I'm probably going to try to sneak in a couple live streams on the Facebook page too, um, at Gen X voice. And, um, of course, as always, I'm going to be showering the podcast with love on my Instagram page. Um, just so that you can hear maybe a little bit more about who Trish the dish is behind the microphone. But anyway, um, just wanted to make sure you guys knew that there's still two more podcast episodes coming out. Um, But for now, let's sit down with one of my favorite Canadians, Tom. Did you know that there are over 1 million podcasts out there and over 30 million episodes? So why should you listen to Pod Jerky? Well, we have a little bit of something for everyone. We discuss topics such as fertility, pet peeves, Netflix reviews, music, conspiracy theories, and everything in between. We will entertain you, make you laugh, and make you cry. Our amazing guests are also sure to put a smile on your face. Tune in every week to Pod Jerky on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever podcasts can be found. Pod Jerky, bringing you original flavor. What up? Hey, it's so good to finally have you on my podcast. Good to be here. I mean, we've been doing live streams together. I've been on your podcast. I mean, this is just, I'm just so excited to have you here. You've become like my virtual brother um, from another mother country. <laughs> yeah, it. you know, it, it's it's hard because I, I do want to go on to other shows uh, problem is, is now that I have three shows going, uh, I can't find the time to do very many uh, shows to go on. So uh, it's been difficult to try and uh, schedule things in. And and myself, this was the funny story from from last night is I thought our show was last night. 
right. uh, not tonight. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I'm really good with that stuff. And I don't usually need a calendar, like I was telling you. And I have this week is fully booked. Like I've got two tomorrow. I've got uh, two on Tuesday. I've got three on Wednesday uh, recordings to do. And I don't need that in a calendar. It's in my head. So that's, I, I, I don't understand how I missed this one, how I messed it up, but you know, (laughs) whatever, here I am. (laughs) You're just excited to get on the, you were so excited to be on the Gen X podcast. (laughs) Well, Hey, speaking of which, why don't you tell us, uh, what year you were born and what generation you most identify 1951. with. 1951. <laughs> I was born in 1979, so I'm a Gen Xer. Woohoo! Right at the very, very right. end of Gen X. Um, that's awesome. But you identify with Gen X. Um, my my biggest question to you is, what does that mean as a Canadian? Because you're you're in Canada, so do you have the same sort of cultural identifiers? as maybe an American Gen no. Xer? And if so, what would Not really. be? Uh, it wasn't a big thing for us growing up, what generation we're in. I think it's more now, nowadays, that we see it uh, a lot coming through as, hey, look, what are those millennials doing? Or the baby boomers did so much for us leading into the Gen X. And you know, I think it's more prevalent now than it was growing up. So what was what was it like growing up in the 80s and 90s in Canada? What kind of what kind of stuff were you into? Were you into TV? Were you were you have you ever heard of the term latchkey kid? I have not very much. Uh, I don't really understand it, but, you know, it's uh, it's when both your parents work and you have a key oh, to the house. Okay. okay. To the um, early, early on. No. Uh, but when I got into my teen years, yes, my both both my parents were working. Uh, we had keys to the house, but we didn't, you know, in, in Canada, I just kind of stuck to my own, my own uh, business. What we did was uh, we were outside a lot. We played outside every single day, uh, snow, you know, sun, whatever, uh, summertime, wintertime, didn't matter for us. Uh, we were always at the park playing uh, and I was a big sports guy. So that was pretty much our, uh, our, our, our days after school. Yeah. So like currently um, there's this whole thing in the States where, if a kid is unsupervised at a park, that's like a big deal. And, and, and there's some communities where you, you, you might even get the police called on you for having your kids at the park unsupervised. Were you guys unsupervised the whole time you were playing Always. Outside? We were always unsupervised, but I think it was a different time. It was very different back when we were younger, um, where parents didn't worry as much as kidnappings and uh, things like that. But now you look at it today and you see so many kidnappings happening, um, sex trafficking, whatever it's for. Uh, we just recently had that in our, in our neighborhood, uh, where a mother went to, uh, the dollar store and there were two girls sitting out on a park bench that were 12 years old or said they were 12 years old. And they said to her daughter, Hey, I really like your hair. The daughters started talking and, uh, they exchanged phone numbers only to find out that those girls weren't 12 years old and they were part of a sex ring that are being investigated by our police. Oh, wow. And you're up by Toronto. And I, I've, yes. I've heard that that is kind of a, a mecca for American perverts to go and party with. Uh, well, see, I mean, that's such a terrible I mean, word to use. I don't know. I don't know. To 
Well, I'm in Whitby, so that's about 45 minutes from Toronto. But uh, usually out here, you don't hear too much about that. And it's starting to pick up a lot out here where they have a lot of police investigations going on. But when we were younger, you know, you didn't hear our parents talk about that kind of thing. So we were kind of free to roam around and do, you know, whatever we wanted to do. And uh, we would go to the park. I mean, there would be a big group of us. There'd be probably like 10, 12 of us that would go to the park every night and, you know, play hockey or play baseball or soccer or whatever it was. And, you know, our parents didn't have to worry about us. They would literally call from the window um, down a couple houses to the park and yell out, it's time for dinner. And we, you know, we'd go back in. Mm -hmm. So you guys didn't have the satanic panic of the 80s happen in Canada? No, I did whatever that is. I have no idea. No. So in the eighties here, I mean, we had milk cartons with missing kids on the back of them. And there was always, um, you know, stranger danger, you know, never talk to strangers, you know, always have a buddy walk home from school with friends. And so in America, we were, you know, obviously the serial killer capital of the world, especially in the 70s and 80s. And then we had this whole satanic panic that occurred where, um, which was totally fabricated. Um, but there was this whole thing that like, oh, there's all these satanic rituals happening all across the United States. And, you know, music is is getting people into being Satan worshipers and, um, you know, then we had the whole censorship thing happen. Um, I mean, it was just, it was a crazy time, but we were still allowed to be outside. Um, but there was always kind of a fear factor too. You know what I mean? Like, like I said, you, you, you really didn't want to be outside by yourself, but, but so. We didn't have that satanic thing. We had, you know, of course there was always the stranger danger thing. You know, you still had your creeps walking around and, you know, trying to talk to people if they, you know, were out in the neighborhood. Um, but the, the Satan thing, I didn't hear too much about that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, you know, we're, uh, we're pretty, we, we'd like to be identified as a Christian country, depending on who's president, <laughs> you know, and yep. implementation of under God, we trust and, you know, having, having God put into our, um, our pledge and pledge of allegiance to their flag and all that stuff. But like, you guys don't really have a God-centric country, do you? Uh, yeah, do you? I, we kind of do. I mean, it's still even in our in our national anthem, like God keep our land. Um, I mean, there's a lot of uh, Christians here as well, um, but it's very multicultural as well. So, I mean, you still have, you know, growing up, I didn't see the multiculturalism as much um, in the neighborhoods that we grew up in. You still had lots of them, but it wasn't as prevalent as it is today. Um which is fantastic because, I mean, having that multiculturalism is great. And with multiculturalism comes different religions, right? So uh, I think we are more basically a Christian country as well. Um, but that's starting to change. But in terms of um, music in the 80s, I mean, and 90s, would you say that hip hop played um, a big role in in your cultural awareness growing up? Beastie Boys or like LL Cool J or, you know, that kind of that kind of stuff. Huge. That's, uh, I, I was I was what they called a B-boy back then. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I was uh, I was into the, you know, wearing the overalls with the straps hanging down or one strap up and then one strap down. 
Um, I was always dressed like a hip hop guy. Uh, I only listen to hip hop. I listen to nothing else. Uh, <laughs> today that's changed. I listen to everything now, but I mean, hip hop was everything to me growing up run DMC. Um, just trying to like, even the Canadian guys, I mean, you've heard thrust. Like I, I would listen to those guys growing up. Um, a lot, a lot, a lot of hip hop. So yes, hip hop was very big in, in my life and everybody, you know, it, it's funny because a lot of people would make fun of you because here's a white boy listening to hip hop music and everybody would be like, Oh, how come you don't listen to rock as if it was supposed to be me listening to rock and not hip hop. Right. Because the hair bands were such a big deal in a lot of parts of the world in the eighties, like uh, twisted sister and rat and, uh, Motley Crue and Poison. You, you didn't really get into that kind of music too much, huh? Not until later on. Um, I still, you know, I knew who they were. I still listened uh, from time to time. But hip hop was my my choice of music. Hip-hop and growing up, you know, my, my life. anytime we were in my dad's car. Yeah. Like anytime we were in my, my parents car, it was always the oldie station. Um, so, I mean, I grew up a lot on the oldies as well, just because, you know, my dad would be driving around and he'd have the oldies going in the car. So, um, that was a big part of it. And then hip hop was my choice. Mm -hmm. So I don't usually think of hockey and hip hop as synonymous. So how did you get introduced to hip hop? Was it, was it through radio stations or did you just kind of like find a pocket of friends? Cause I mean, we didn't have the internet back then and we didn't, we definitely didn't have, um, you know, a, a ton of hip hop on MTV. I mean, how did you come across it? Uh, we had um, either through the radio and I still remember going home all the time and trying to record on certain radio stations on your uh, tape cassettes for those of you that listen that don't know what a tape cassette is. And, you know, um, we would go home and we'd hit record on the uh, little boom box just to hit our favorite radio songs. And then uh, we had a, um, a show on Much Music, it's called Here, uh, which would basically be your MTV in the U.S. And they had a show called Rap City. And I would watch Rap City every day after school. It was every day I would be home and at four o'clock it was on and off to the races. Here we, here we go. So uh, Rap City was on my TV all the time. That sounds like Yo! MTV Raps that we had here yeah. in the States. Well, I, I still have a six-hour VHS tape of all the videos from Rap City, uh, and I still have that, that 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 VHS tape in my house. Do you have a VCR to play it on? I do. Oh wow, that's amazing! Yeah. <laughs> that's so cool. What about a cassette player? Do you still have a cassette? By the way, cassettes have come have have a resurgence happening in the last five years here in the States. So I, I've had multiple stereo systems that had cassette players. Like uh, it was a combination cassette CD. Uh, player stereo kind of thing. And I threw out all of them and I kept one because I always said to Amy, who's my wife, you know, what happens if I want to listen to this or this? And she's like, you have the internet, who cares? Like you can find it anywhere you want. I was like, yeah, but sometimes you want to listen into it in that quality. You know, have I ever pulled them out? No, but (laughs) you know, I still have the stereo just in case. That's funny. When I was about 34, um, I threw away all my cassettes. I finally was just done. I was like, okay, no more. I, I just, I'm so tired of lugging all this music around. I had records, cassettes. I was just, I was just kind of over having so much stuff to carry around. And then I immediately 
regretted it because yep. I had old um, DJs that, you know, from the rave scenes, um, you know, you, you can't find, you can't find that on SoundCloud. You know, anyone out there know who Mr. E is? Like, I would love to, to, to have his cassette tape. I mean, that was such a great um, DJ mix that he did, or, you know, like some old live Grateful Dead shows, which pretty much you can find those online, but mostly just that underground um, rave, you know, electronic music. Was that, was, was raving ever a thing in, in your, in your zeitgeist or was that something that you just kind of missed altogether or just no interest in? Oh no. Oh no. Raves, raves were here. I didn't go to many raves. I did the club scene. Uh, I didn't do the raves per se. I had a lot of friends who did. Um, I think my brother went to quite a few of them. Oh, wow. Yeah. I was a huge raver. (laughs) I just absolutely fell into that. Um, yeah. So it's, it's neat that you were talking about thrust. Like, so you, you've introduced me to all this Canadian hip hop, which is so good, especially from the nineties and the two thousands. And you, so you're, you have a podcast pod jerky and, um, and you through your podcast have become friends with one of your all time favorite Canadian hip hop artists. Um, I guess to go back a little bit, why start a podcast? How, how did that even come into your consciousness? Were you I got listening bored. to podcasts? Oh, you got bored. <laughs> I got bored. So what happened was is for everybody that doesn't know the story, you can go back and listen on, on our show. Uh, I got really, really sick. Um, I did a lot of recovery time at home. Uh, I was in bed for a very long time. And, you know, during that time, you have a lot of time to think and a lot of time to do uh, internet research. So I was just looking up stuff for shits and giggles on Amazon. And I came across a mic and I bought it. And my wife said, hey, what are you doing with this mic? Why did you order a mic? And I said, I, I don't know. So it came and I emailed my buddy like right away. And I was like, look what I bought. Want to do a podcast. And his response right away was, let's do it. And I was just shocked. And I was like, I wasn't even kind of in that mind frame where I was saying, hey, yeah, let's let's actually do this. I kind of threw it out there as a joke. And then uh, he said, let's do it. So that's how it all started. Wow. Just, just random. I'm going to buy a mic. And well, when you were a kid, I mean, we, we always had tape recorders, right? So did you ever play with a tape recorder, like being a, a, a radio DJ, or did you do a lot of voice recording on your tape recorders? Well, there's two instances that I'll explain. And I, and I actually just told this to my co-host the other day, we, we don't have it on a recording and I will never, never find this uh, cassette tape. But back in grade six, uh, I was in a class and we had to do a project and I actually did a rap. So I actually rapped Whoa. over another song and I have no idea where that is. That's gone. Uh, I got an A on the project, which was oh, good. Wow. Yeah. That's so so cool. I had to, I had to write, I still remember what I called myself. Uh, I called myself prized possession. And <laughs> that's awesome. uh, I did that. I did that rap. And then when we got to high school, um, we had to, I believe it was Wuthering Heights, Wuthering Heights that we had to read. And 
we had to do a rap over that song. So there was a group of four of us and it was really, really cool because we had to write a rap based on that book. And I ended up doing that and we performed in the cafeteria in front of uh, the school. And I got comments saying like, man, you really sound like Biggie. And I was like, what? I was like, yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, there's no way. Um, And they're like, yeah, you were really, really good. So uh, I never continued with it. I never thought anything of it. Um, but then in the same uh, same year, I got asked, we won a competition for, um, it was for the Toronto Raptors and it was, uh, Sprite was actually sponsoring it. And uh, it was a banner contest to make the best banner. So we had uh, won this competition where we got free tickets to the Raptors game. So free courtside tickets. And then we had a Toronto Raptor come to, uh, the school. And for those of you that don't know who the Toronto Raptors are, they're an NBA team. Um, they won a championship in 2019. So we still can claim that, but they, they actually sent a Raptor to the school and I was the host of the show. So I had to do the host of the entire show, uh, by talking in front of the entire school. And I got to introduce the Toronto Raptor as well. So, I mean, there are a few times I have done recordings, on cassette tapes or done a live performance or have done a live speaking uh, engagement. Wow. Yeah, because you sound so natural and comfortable in front of a mic and um, and pod jerky, guys, this is such a fun podcast. It's I love the name too. Um, I know I know why you call it pod jerky, but why don't you explain to the listeners how you came up with that name? We couldn't figure out a another name everything we had was taken like we had so many ideas i think we came up with 40 or 50 different names and we had no idea like every time we went to search, uh, search it on social media to get a handle for it or see if there was a another show called that or another website called that that name was always taken i don't remember even what the names were that we had we had some really good ones um but then my buddy came up with this one and said uh, why don't you call it this and we looked and there is nothing online that had it at all so um, we kind of played around with it and, and uh, stuck with it. So it's fantastic. And you've definitely proliferated with, I mean, your podcast is one of, I mean, didn't you, didn't you just say you just hit 20,000 downloads? We're about to hit 20,000. Oh my gosh. That's so exciting. Uh, so listeners jump over to pod jerky, start downloading so we can get him to get them to 20,000. But, but so that's to that. Let's get us to a hundred thousand. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> um, but so what made you decide to really jump into the podcasting world? So, so you have this idea, your friend says, yeah, let's do it. So you do your podcast, but then you come up with this, you're, you're a part of some people who came the reason I know you with this um, Facebook group in which you started having virtual conventions for podcasters. How did that all come into fruition? So that actually came uh, quite a bit down the road. I think it was four or five months after I had started. Um, But we just kind of all met in the podcast groups, you know, we would comment on each other's posts and then, you know, you would chit chat a little bit more, uh, same way we do with you, same way we do with, uh, all of the, uh, moderators, John and, and Rosa and Ian. Uh, I started talking to Ian quite a while ago, um, when, uh, I started listening to his podcast and I was like, you know, uh, your show is a, an excellent show. And for those who don't listen to it, go ahead and check it out. It's called best film ever. Um, 
I actually enjoy listening to the show. I'm not one of those ones that is saying this just to get, you know, the rub or something, but right. um, it is really show, good. I like it too. Yeah, like his show was excellent. So, I mean, I started, I was like, I made a couple of comments on his and then he was, you know, commenting on mine back and forth. And then, you know, we kind of struck up this kind of a Canadian friendship because he's originally from Canada and he lives in England. Um, and then, you know, we would talk here and there and then, this group we started to form. And then between the three of us that created the group, uh, we actually uh, got it all together. Everything went, you know, where it did. And then, you know, now we were expanding with it. So um, it wasn't uh, an original idea that we had from the beginning uh, until four or five months later down the road where we all collaborated with that and said, let's do this. Yeah. So why virtual, like why, why start, a virtual podcast a podcast convention. I mean, that's a lot of undertaking. And did you all know what you were getting yourselves into when you launched your first virtual podcast community uh, conference? We had no idea. We had no <laughs> idea. Like, I mean, you know, you, you want to put the best work that you can into anything you do. Uh, you always want to give it a hundred percent. And, you know, coming up with ideas on how to do it, um, just finding a streaming service that we could stream for free where we weren't going to charge anybody to do anything uh, was a feat in itself because it was just like, how do we do this without anybody having to pay money? Because we want to separate ourselves from people having to pay um, because we're just starting out. Um, so that was uh, an undertaking. And then the graphics were an undertaking and the videos were an undertaking. And then to run the whole show smoothly uh, the first time, we ran into the same problems that we did at this previous convention where you would have no shows or you would have, you know, replacements. And I believe that first convention I was on for like 23 hours or something like that, not straight, but in total over the weekend. And uh, it was like, no, you know, we can't do this anymore you learn from your mistakes. So mm-hmm. you, you, you build on that. And then the second convention, I think went really smooth. Uh, the, the, uh, holiday convention went really, really well. And, yeah, um, I joined and, and I thought it was yeah. fantastic, you know, yeah. very professional and, and just lots of fun, but why, why was it important for you all to, um, have it be free? I mean, you mentioned it's because you guys were getting started, but was there, um, kind of more of a vision or mission for, um, what, what's now called the podcast collective, was there, was there more like, um, I don't know, like an ethos to what you guys were trying to put together? Well, first I'm going to correct it. Cause that's the second time somebody has called it the podcast collective today. It's a podcasters collective podcast oh collective is, is oh actually gosh, run by guys. somebody else. And I, so and I'm a part of this. So <laughs> I cannot believe I didn't say that correctly. But let's not let's not give somebody else uh, due for what we're doing. But um, (laughs) uh, no, I I think the original vision to it was, hey, you know what? We don't need to collect money from people. Uh, This isn't about us making money. This is about making uh, a community and building a community. Um, If we were to get uh, a strong enough uh, response, a strong enough reaction, then sponsors would be able to come on board. And with sponsorship comes money. And, you know, I've seen other conventions run before where, you know, the money that is made doesn't go back into the actual convention. And, you know, that's terrible because what you want to do with it is make sure that the money goes back into the convention, because the more money you put into it, 
the better it's going to be. You're going to be able to land bigger guests. You're going to be able to do more things with the convention. Now, the original goal is actually to have an actual in-person convention, but because of the pandemic, we haven't been able to do that. What we've done is done a virtual convention. Um, but the original goal is, or sorry, the, uh, the, the goal going forward is when this is all said and done, everyone's vaccinated, the borders open back up again, is to have a in-person convention. And we're hoping we'll be able to, I mean, will people be able to afford the travel? That's what's going to be, that's what's going to be probably um, a make or break thing for it. But, you know, we'll see where we can go with it. Well, the cool thing is, and I don't know if this is what you think too, but I think the pandemic has taught us that we can do anything virtually and pretty much everything virtually. And I don't know that it would be bad to have, you know, half, half virtual, half in person. I mean, it's just, it's just, I don't think it's going, I don't think it's going to go away. I don't think virtual living is going to go away. What do you think? No, not at all. Not at all. I mean, just, you know, hearing from my wife um, who works for a major U S retail company uh, over here in Canada, um, the office is going to be closed even after the pandemic. And she's been told that most likely she's going to be working from home. That's going to be the home station from here on in, no matter pandemic or not. So, yeah, I mean, things are still going to be virtual no matter what we do. And, you know, over here in Ontario, they've been talking about um, virtual school for a very long time and saying they want to switch people over to virtual school and give them that opportunity. You know, meanwhile, we're talking here. Our, uh, our our minister over here of education is is saying, you know, it's so important for kids to be in school so that they can socialize and that they get, you know, they get outside and they get to talk to people. And then he's going and pushing to have virtual school after the pandemic. So, you know, it's it, it's really strange to hear what he's saying. Uh, I can't stand him. Um, he, he, he's just, you know, I just, uh, I, I, am not going to say anything nice about him. Um, he's, uh, uh, not very nice. So I'm going to leave it at that. So I don't get myself into any trouble. No, that's cool. And, and you personally are in the public school system, um, as a career. That's, that's some of what you do. How, I do. how, how easy has it been for you to work um, virtually, because I know that you've had to work virtually here and there. And um, very recently, you all had a, an outbreak and you told me that you had to, you all had to shut down again and work um, virtually again. How, how from, from your point of view, working closely with students, how, how has the virtual world been for your students and you? So originally, uh, when we first shut down last March, was pretty simple because I was at a different school than I am right now. And I work with special needs kids. And uh, I was told, okay, you know what, reach out to different teachers. Uh, here's who you're assigned to. Uh, ask them if they need any extra help in the class. Nobody ever got back to me. And I would, I would message them, you know, two, three times a week just to check in and say, hey, you know, I'm here. I'm, I'm at home. I, you know, I have full capabilities of doing anything virtually, let me know. Uh, one teacher got back to me and said, no, I'm good. And then the other one didn't respond to me at all. Uh, so I pretty much didn't have to do anything from that point on. Uh, but then we started this school year and our school year in September, our, our school starts in September. Um, what happened was the schools remained closed after the summer. 
except for the special needs department. So we've been at school since September. And what we did was uh, we would be in school. And then after Christmas break, which would be December into January, uh, we have a two week break there. Uh, they brought everybody back or sorry, they brought uh, the schools to be closed again, um, including us. So uh, I think we stayed away for a couple of days and then they, re back, we, they brought uh, all the special needs kids back. Um, so going virtually for us, it was very, very easy because we were mostly in school. But when we did have to do the virtual, I would work with a couple of kids uh, outside of the school. I would actually drive down to their house and try and do stuff on uh, outdoors with them. Um, but other than that, you know, we've been inside the school. We did get shut down last week uh, because we had a COVID outbreak in the school and Toronto Public Health actually shut our school down the day before they shut the rest of the schools in Toronto down. Wow. Yeah, it's it's been really crazy there for you guys in Canada. You guys don't have the vaccinations being um, passed around as much. And, um, you know, you personally having um, had health issues. Um, how, how concerned have you been about how Canada has been handling the pandemic? You know, I, I have different thoughts on this because I thought at the beginning last March, um, I w it was right before our March break. And uh, I don't know if that coincides with spring break in the US, but we call it March break here. Um, but it, I was away for four days prior to the March break or three days before I was really sick. And I said to my wife, you know, I, I don't think I'm going to go in the rest of the week. I'm a little concerned um, because I was kind of like just back to work for three months at that point from um, being off uh, with my illness. And she said, no, you know what? Just stay home. It's fine. And then wait until the March break. And then after the March break, they ended up closing everything during the March break. And it was a little concerning because everybody at that time had no clue what was going on. Now we're back, you know, a year, 13 months later, and we're worse off than we were when this first began. And we set a record today for how many cases we had in Ontario. We set an all-time record. We had 4,450 something uh, cases today, um, which is really, really high for, for us. And our vaccination, which is really sad, I looked up. We only have 758,000 people who are fully vaccinated right now. And we only have 7 million people who have the first vaccine. 7 million. And out of a country that is close to 40 million. Wow. Oh, man. Yeah, that's 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 crazy. I mean, I'm the I'm problem is, too, saying. is no, go ahead. The problem is, is that they're the, the, the priority of the vaccines were for the elderly, which I'm totally fine with now. I, I, I kind of have mixed feelings on where they should be going next. And if you're telling the education sector to be working at school every day, especially the special needs department where the special needs kids do not understand that they have to have their mask on constantly. My student never wears his mask and he coughs and he spits in our face and he does all these things. So, you know, right. he has his hands down his pants and he tries to grab you and he does all this stuff. So, you know, should we not be prioritized as well? Should factory workers where there are a ton of outbreaks happening, should they not be prioritized as well? I feel like, yes, it's safe for the seniors to get it. However, if we're in a lockdown, are the seniors really going anywhere or are they staying home? And we are actually out in the actual world working with this pandemic going on, coming in contact with more than one person and more households than we're supposed to be coming in contact with because we're working with these students should we not be given priority as well? 
that's where the mixed feelings are about. Now, finally, what they said is any support staff, any people that work with uh, special needs students are allowed to go get the vaccine starting tomorrow. So I have to see where I can book it and go get it. Yeah, it's it's kind of crazy because we always talk about, you know, Canada has light years ahead of the United States in so many ways. I mean, we've we've talked I've been on your podcast with Sarah from Blackbird Advocacy about um, health care. We've talked about health care and how you guys have universal health care. And there's there's a, you know, a lot of other things that seem to be um, that you guys are really progressive. Um, I, I've been really shocked to see how backwards, I guess, to be diplomatic ish um, about about the about the vaccination, because here in Arizona, which is not always considered a very progressive state, um, about a third of our population is now fully vaccinated. And I was able to get vaccinated work because I work in education. And that was a that's a huge driver here in Arizona is getting our teachers vaccinated. And so to hear that that's not really happening, it's not happening in all states either. It's not happening in Oregon, which is a super progressive um, state. Um, my friend Kate that lives up there, she was saying that the that their their focus is on the homeless, and you know there's a lot that can be said about that. Um, Absolutely, right? Because that's sure that that's important. But what about the healthcare workers and people that are tending to the homeless or tending to, you know, um, like you said, special needs kids, educators. I mean, there's, there's, I don't know, it's so crazy. It's like the one place where we as humanity should be on the same page. It's, it's, it right. really is. But where do you draw the line? Where do you say, okay, you know what, this one is more important than this one. And this one is more important than this one. That's why I'm saying like, I have a a little bit of a different stance on certain people getting it over certain people. Do I think that educators have to get it? No, in in our schools, really, we've been actually pretty safe. Uh, A lot of the the transmission is coming from the community, but you can't kid yourself. There is school transmission, which they keep telling us that there is zero school transmission. They're saying, you know, there's there's no cases in schools. It's a lie. Um, But, you know, we have been pretty safe. I know my school has uh, in terms of masking and social distancing, um, but it's going to happen. If you're in a pandemic, the spread is going to happen. Now, the problem with our vaccines here is that we haven't been sent any because the U.S. is hoarding the vaccines and does not want to share with anybody. No, I'm just kidding. Um, (laughs) I was going to say, like, I I wonder if that's kind of true because there has been a lot of... um, stuff on the news about third world countries um, really getting the shaft when it comes to well, availability it is. Of, of vaccinations. So I don't think that's it, there is. And, and the UK too, they're right up there with us. Um, the European Union is struggling to get vaccinations. So I don't so think there is you're some telling a, a farce there, uh, Tom. No, there is some, onto something. There is some truth to it because what happened is, is we, we actually signed three deals. Our prime minister, uh, Mr. Trudeau, which I can't stand either, but uh, he, he actually signed three deals or six deals. There was some really big number that he signed to get these vaccines when the vaccines rolled out. And this was months and months and months ago uh, when they started talking about uh, making a vaccine. And he's like, we have contracts ready. Uh, we have contracts from this company, from this company, from this company. Okay, so if you have all these contracts, where are our vaccines? So now we hear that 
the US was sending one and a half million doses of AstraZeneca to Canada. However, they weren't sending it here. They were loaning it to us. And why, what they meant by loaning it to us was, we're going to give you a million and a half vaccines now. You're going to repay us with a million and a half. So here's, here's the thing. AstraZeneca has been proven that there are, they are causing blood clots. Right, and people 55 and under. So here in Canada, we are not allowed to get the AstraZeneca vaccine if we're 55 and under. Now, if the U.S. is sending a million and a half AstraZeneca here, are we to send them a million and a half Pfizer or a million and a half Moderna back where you could be vaccinating your own people with those? Because 55 and under, there's a big population of people that live here with that age, in that age group. So what about those people who are going to be missing out on that vaccine? So, you know, we we haven't been sent the shipments that we're supposed to be getting. Our premier, who I can't stand either. Yes, you know, I can't stand any of our leaders, um, has said, I will drive over to the States because the States was actually taking their time and sending it over. And he had no idea why. So he was on TV yelling and saying, I will drive over the border and with my pickup truck and pick them up myself. Like, what is the delay in getting these vaccines here? So, yes, there is a little bit of truth that the U.S. is uh, hoarding them. Now, I understand that, of course, you want to take care of your own people first. But I don't know if the uh, vaccine contracts were uh, signed with Canada before they were the states. And the states is just saying, too bad, we're taking them first. It doesn't matter who you signed a contract with. But, that you know, that's life. I mean, what are you going to do? You know, some people are going to get it. Some people aren't. I mean, that is the most tragic sentence ever um but it's yeah i guess that's that's reality and it's 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 really it's really interesting because you know in terms of like having relationships with other countries and you know um being allies and you know this this world is so much more connected than ever before and especially you as our neighbors were so connected um you know, we share, we share so much, you know, food and um, culture and maybe not a hundred percent, but there's a lot of crossover, um, you know, our comedians and, and, you know, things like that. Um, It's, and the fact that you're right there, you would think, Hey, you're my neighbor. I'm going to, I'm going to hook you up, you know, but I don't know. I don't have to get too deep into the political, you know, asinine actions of our leaders. <laughs> I really, um, I want to shift back over to, you know, just your, your, your podcast life, because it is um, kind of a beacon of light in all of this. So we were talking a little bit of, ago about how your podcast um, pod jerky has kind of opened up this relationship with you and one of your favorite hip hop artists thrust um, who is absolutely amazing um i'm i'm so just I, i'm i'm so impressed that you've been able to build a relationship with him why don't you tell us a little bit about your relationship with thrust and 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 your and your new podcast with him yeah so when we originally started we started a, a series on our show called uh, canadian uh rock and rap uh we did we featured different artists on the show uh, one of them being a friend of mine, Jeff Smith, and he was uh, in the rock genre, a uh, fantastic musician. 
and uh, he played a live set on our on our song. Sorry, not a live set, but he did a um, a debut of a song on our show. Um, so we were like, you know what? Let's continue with this because this is actually pretty cool. And I started to reach out to some of the Canadian hip hop guys that I grew up listening to, and I reached out to uh, Socrates, Chuck Clare, uh, Thrust, and Cardinal. All of them you would probably have heard in the Northern Touch show. Uh, sorry, the Northern Touch uh, song, and. Uh, they all got back to me. Now, Cardinal was the only one that said, hey, you got to check with the record label. The rest of them said, yeah, go ahead, use our music for showcasing it on your show, no problem. And then Thrust kept in contact with me. So he actually started to talk about um, doing like maybe an interview here or there. And at the time we were kind of connected with, uh, he was kind of connected with a couple other artists that we had on the show. And we built up that way to uh, getting him on the show. And then he came on live on the show on our holiday convention, uh, which was really cool. So I got to interview him and the friendship just kept going. And now we've actually started another podcast called the Northern Touch Show. Uh, that's where I was going with that before. Um, and we've had some really, really cool guests. So, so far we've had on the show, we had DJ Despair, who's another host of the show as well. Uh, he was on at the convention, uh, that we just did for spring break. Uh, fantastic dude, uh, great DJ. And then, uh, we had Nish from, uh, Cedar Hill. He was on the show. So we did a two part episode with him and we just had somebody on today that is a writer for a documentary uh, i'm not gonna uh, let the name out yet uh, until we have it all done and finished with um, and we want to drop all of this next week uh, we do have the video for thrust's new song as well i have the music video so we're going to start dropping some promo for that next weekend as well uh, so a lot of a lot of cool stuff coming up with uh, thrust and uh, it's been really cool working with them how does it feel working with with the with with these kind of artists that you grew up listening to it, it's 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 weird but it's cool at the same time you Are know I, I yeah well i said to amy you know uh, when i first messaged him you, you don't think anything of it you think you know what maybe they'll get back to me maybe they won't he got back to me right away he was like yeah go ahead use the music and then it started to continue and i was like D you know and then we switched, like, he was like, here's my phone number, you know, give me a call. And I was like, like, wow, like I'm, I'm going to call this guy. Like, really? So I called him, we started talking, whatever. And then, you know, he started calling me and texting me. And then I was like, I, some, like, who am I? Like something is backwards here <laughs> where I have this hip hop, like legend in Canada is calling me. I'm like, who the hell am I? I'm a nobody here. And he's calling me. So that's where, you know, it turned out to be pretty cool because you don't expect that. Right. And, and that's what it turned out to be. So now, you know, we keep in touch. I went and uh, the music video that's being dropped uh, next weekend or the promos for it next weekend. Anyways, um, everyone's heard the song already. It's called No Music Industry. But, you know, I went and helped shoot part of that video with him. And that was a pretty cool, you know, experience where I was driving and the, the guy, the cameraman was, you know, filming in the back seat. And then we were down in an alleyway and we were shooting there and I had the music going while he was doing the shoot. And, you know, I took a lot of good photos for it. So um, it was really, really cool to be involved with that. I've never, you know, and, and at the end of the day, even if he, you know, screws off which i know he won't but if even if he were to screw off at the end of the day i can say that was a cool experience mm -hmm. yeah had you ever 
shot a music video for anyone before? Was is, is no. photography a part of your repertoire? No, not at all. <laughs> How so in the world I, did you get into that? So I, I didn't shoot. I wasn't the like photographer the, the like for for that video. It was uh, more of like a helping hand kind of thing. Uh, I was doing the driving while the um, videographer was in the back seat, and he was you know as Thrust was walking down the street, and he was filming. Uh, we were in the alley. I had the music going, but I was taking pictures with my phone because I was like, you know what? I can do some good promo art for this. And, you know, these phones, these cameras are amazing on these things right now. So um, I got some excellent photos that uh, I kind of played around with some filters and added in some like overlays on them and stuff that can go out for promo. So um, it's it, it was just, you know, it's a, it's a cool experience. It was really cold that day. Uh, but you know, we got through it and, uh, it's just a cool experience. I never got to, to do that before. So, I mean, why not? That's so awesome. That sounds like the coolest, like, you know, random thing to happen in a lifetime that like you, you could never plan for your life to be in that spot, but like having your podcast, um, and such a great personality, like you, you are definitely one of my favorite, um, podcast humans because, I mean, you've helped me so much in, um, you know, just promos and setting up things and, you know, just, I don't know, you're, you're such a good mentor and, and model. Like it just makes sense that people would be drawn to you like thrust and be like this guy, there, there's a good human here. I'm going to work with this person. I mean, that, I think I think people don't realize that personalities really do. That's that's what really gets you. I mean, you can hustle and you can do all the things, but if you don't have the personality to back what you're doing, um, you're just gonna you're just gonna flounder, right? You're just gonna flop around like a dead fish. <laughs> like, yeah. or, and and you know, a live fish dying. <laughs> we we constantly we constantly talk about this in the podcast convention group in the podcasters collective, and we always say that like you know. A, a lot of podcasts want to come into the group and they want to link drop and that's all they want to do. And right. the whole goal of the group is to be building a community for everybody to get to know each other. And that's what we want to know your personality. We want to know about you because that's how you build friendships and that's how you build relationships and that's how you build your podcast. Now your, your podcast is not going to get any listens by you just going and dropping your link you know, you might get a few here and there, but put in the time a little bit. If you have the time, I'm not saying everybody has the time to do it. Some people are just doing the podcast just, you know, for shits and giggles. And some people are doing it because they're serious about it. But you know what? You got to build those relationships and let people see your personality. Not everyone is going to like your personality. I'm Canadian. So everyone loves me, right? <laughs> I wish everyone could see my camera's not on and I'm smiling. So it was a <laughs> right, joke. because we've talked about yeah. how saucy you are. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, dismantling the whole Canadians are nice um, stereotype. But yes. um, what, what I think is really great, too, is that like I feel like I've said, I feel like you're like a brother to me. I've never met you face to face. Um, but we've done tons of, you know, live streams together and, you know, uh, have talked and and, and, and hung out virtually. Um, I think it's pretty amazing that, you know, you've been able to, with the moderators and the, and, and also, you know, Sarah and, and um, as the admin of podcasters collective, um, you guys have created all of this virtually. That, and isn't that, that amazing? Isn't that, that an amazing, so amazing world 
that yes. we live in, that this is something that you can do, that we can say in this world, hey, pandemic, you are not going to hold us down. Right. We are still going to be able to get through this. We are still going to communicate with the outside world. We don't care. The only thing that'll tear this down is the internet. And if the internet blows up, then we're screwed. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, um, we, we, you know, it's funny because we rely on the internet for everything. You know, you can't go anywhere without your phone. Why? Because you want to be able to search anything that you want to search when you want to search it. I want to search it right now. If I want to do a Zoom video call, I have to have internet. If I want to do any kind of uh, graphics work and I have to download images or video parts or overlays or anything like that, I need the internet. You know, so, you know, without the internet, none of this would be possible. But because we have it, look what we're able to accomplish and say, you know what, we're not going to let this hold us down. We're not going to let this mentally break us because we are actually allowed to do this virtually and we can still see people face to face. How easy was it for you to migrate into a virtual world um, as a Gen Xer? Pretty simple. Uh, you know, when we've been working on this our whole lives. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when, when I, when I first started my first uh, podcast episode, I was a little nervous on the mic and the nerves come from, you don't know what your voice sounds like, and you don't know if other people are going to like the sound of your voice. And, you know, that's, that's what I was kind of focused on. And then you have to think, Hey, you know what, am I smart enough to actually carry on a conversation by myself or with another person for a certain amount of time where, you know, uh, somebody's going to actually want to listen to this. Then you get into your flow and everything is okay. And then I heard comments of saying, no, you got a radio voice. Like you're good at what you're doing here. Mm -hmm. So then you gain a little bit more confidence with that. And then, you know, you switch over to the video portion of it. And my first video, I was like nervous as hell, but it only took one. It took one video and I was so comfortable after that being like, what was I afraid of? Like, this is, this feels so natural to me. Mm-hmm. It was very, very simple to do. It, it was nothing, you know, I hear a lot of that, this in our group as well. Um, there were a couple of comments saying, you know, we're not ready to do video yet. And we try to encourage people to say, you know what, it's not as hard as you think, you know, um, if you're worried about what people think, like what you look like or how you sound, don't worry about it. You know, we're, we're a community. We're there to back you up. We are there to support you. We are there to make sure that, you know, your voice is heard as well. And I think it was just, you know, something that was very easy for me. So I'm hoping that other people can see it the same way. Yes, you are going to be nervous at first. Get on it, do it. And I think you're going to be just fine. Yeah, and I think it's it's so important for people to see normal, average humans. None of us are Kardashians, right? No, um, that's and I don't I want to be. And don't want to be right. I, I, my hair is, is, is gray and, you know, I don't, I don't wear a ton of makeup and, you know, I think that that, and I, I don't really do my hair. I wear braids all the time. And um, I think that's so important. So when you're thinking in terms, and this is just for, if anyone's out there listening, that is thinking about vodcasting or live streaming or, you know, podcasting in general, like we, they need, people need you representing you because it shows that there that any old person can do it and and there's a space for you and i think that's what draws me to um you know you're there's there's only one other group that i'm i'm you know kind of really involved in um but 
in terms of the connections and the um, support, I mean, the Podcasters Collective is by far. And by the way, folks, the reason I forgot the name is because we recently just changed the name. So it's <laughs> I. I'm just I, giving Trish a hard time. Yeah, yeah. It's it's been literally in the last couple of weeks that the name's been changed. But um, but it, it's just so important. It's so important that everyone knows that there is a place for your voice and your face. And you know, I've got crooked teeth, and they're not. They're not as white as I want them to be and or straight and, you know, together. But you, you have to look past that and be like someone out there is going to look at that and be like, oh, thank God, someone's like me. You know, I don't I don't I think it's to. important. I think it's important what you said uh, in terms of being a Kardashian um, that, you know, no one wants to see somebody be a Kardashian. They want to see you. I am the director of awesomeness. That is my name on Pod Jerky. I am director awesome. Uh, I don't want anybody else to be that. That's me. Uh, what you see is what you get. And if you like it, you like it. If you don't, you don't. Uh, I'm not for everybody. Uh, the Kardashians are not for everybody, including myself. So, I mean, that's just, you know, you go on, you be yourself, you gain that confidence and then you just keep, you know, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Well, Tom, I'd love to have you plug all of your projects and, um, where people can find you at this time. Oh God, we're going to be here for half an hour. Okay. So <laughs> there's so much. I can't wait. Let's start. Let's start with pod jerky. So you can find pod jerky anywhere. Uh, we're all over the place. We are on Apple podcast, Spotify. You can find us uh, on Instagram and Twitter at pod jerky. Uh, you can find all of our links at bitesize.me forward slash pod jerky or Linktree. So that's L I N K T R dot E E forward slash pod jerky. All of our links are right there. You can find our second show. Uh, that is going to be with uh, Thrust OG. Uh, he is the host with myself and DJ Despair. Uh, that show is going to be starting uh, in the next week or so. Uh, super excited about that one. We're going to have a ton of special guests on that one, from uh, cooks to NHL players um, to DJs to musicians to rappers. Uh, all kinds of people are going to be coming on to that show. Uh, we've got some stuff lined up, but we can't talk about yet. Uh, you can find us again on bitesize.me forward slash Northern Touch Show uh, on Twitter. Uh, we are Northern Touch 6. On Instagram, we are the Northern Touch Show. Uh, third podcast I have going right now, that is with my partner in crime, Sarah from Blackbird, an advocacy podcast. She is the other admin in the Podcasters Collective. We are doing the Podcasters Collective podcast, which is going to be featuring one podcast a month where we're going to be able to share everything to uh, the social media platforms and try to showcase their podcast. So uh, that is going to be starting. Actually, our first recording is tomorrow, uh, which is April the 12th. I'm not sure when we're going to be releasing the episode, but we are doing the first recording tomorrow. Uh, you can find the Podcasters Collective on Facebook mainly. We are uh, on Facebook at uh, the Podcasters Collective. Uh, we, are we are also on Instagram. And I want to make sure that I get this right. Uh, but I believe it is the, the Podcasters Collective on Instagram. And then on uh, Twitter, we are, I, I know I'm going to get this, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think we are Podcast Collect V. Uh, I think that's our handle on uh, Twitter. 
Uh, I'm going to double check that just to make sure because uh, sometimes I get that one wrong. Um, but uh, yeah, so that's all of our social media platforms that you can find all of the shows that I will be a part of. Uh, so uh, a lot of interesting stuff coming up on all of the shows that we're doing. It's going to be a lot of fun. And listeners, I'm going to have all the links to everything that Tom just said. So Tom, you can send me all those links to double check um, and, and, and I'll just pop them in the show notes. So, um, so excited for you, Tom. There's so many great things. I think that you've, um, you, you're more than giving um, to, to all of us with all of your projects. And I just love, I love the community that you and Sarah have built. Um, you've helped this single lonely podcaster, you know, um, thrive during the pandemic. Um, and I just want to thank you from the bottom of my heart. Just, how, I don't know if you know how much it means um, to have a group like yours. So thank you so much for starting that. Of course, we appreciate that. And and like I said, you know, uh, the, the best thing to do is if you are doing your podcast, if you are serious about it, go out, have fun, uh, enjoy what you do, uh, engage with groups, build relationships, build friendships. Uh, our, our, our podcast collective, um, podcasters collective group, we have built a, a, an amazing team uh, with the admin and the moderators. Uh, like you said, we, we just sit down sometimes and have what we call team time. And we'll grab a drink and we'll just, you know, catch up on Zoom and just shoot the shit, you know, and that came out of nowhere. That came out of building relationships, doing a podcast. And uh, we have so much fun doing it. Not everyone can join all the time, but when we all get together, we have a good time. You know, we have a, a drink here or there and uh, that's it. I mean, so it's go out and do that. And that's it. And that's all it is. It's about building a community. And the way you build a community is that's how you're going to get your podcast to get out there. That's how you're going to get your name recognized. That's where people are going to start to share your stuff without you even knowing about it. You'll just see random tags with your name in it. You know, I'm starting to see that on Twitter now where I'm just getting like a notification that somebody tagged me in a post because they're sharing our episodes, you know? So it, it, it's how cool is that? How cool is it to be part of something like that? And you know, it's so I, I enjoy and natural. it. It's not like you're, yeah. you know, spending all this money on marketing and doing all this stuff. It's, it's like right. really at the end of the day, organic growth is just, right. it's, it's so much more genuine because you know, those are people that are really there. And they're probably going to be there for the long term. So I know I will be, Tom. I'm, 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 I'm there with you, brother. All right. Yeah. So and, you know, it's 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 really fun. Uh, like I said, uh, go out, have fun with this, and you know, enjoy what you do. Right. So at this point, Tom, we've made it to the rapid fire questions part of the podcast, in which oh I'm God. ask you questions and you're going to answer as quick as you can. Are you ready? Uh, I am. I hope so. <laughs> Here we go. Don't think about it too hard. Just give me your first thought. What's your, first, right. what's your favorite memory from childhood? Oh my God. <laughs> wow. Uh, probably school, making friends at school. Nice. What's your favorite eighties band or musician? Does this count as like, um, hip hop or like, does it, does it matter? Well, that's does it matter what genre musician. musician can be that can encompass anything. I think run DMC. Nice. What's your favorite eighties movie? Ooh, I'm going to pass on that one right now. I can't, I got nothing. 
<laughs> By the way, I got I did, nothing. I did send these questions in advance. <laughs> I'm just no. giving our time. <laughs> um, no, you didn't. I did. It was in the very first email that I sent you when I when I attached the podcast um, release form. I didn't even get the release form. Did I sign that? Yeah. That's why you're on the show. <laughs> what? I, I don't remember that at all. Yeah. But My we bad. Through, we went through the whole process, but it's okay. Um, you know, because at the end of the day, uh, you know, you're, you're like my, you're like my, my mentor. So I don't even care. I'm, it's just fun to give you shit. <laughs> I'm a, I'm a stupid older brother, right? I'm a stupid <laughs> older brother. No, you just have a million things going on. I do. Um, I do. Tom, you went to college. I did. Why did you go to college? Why? Yes. Uh, I went to college to try to get my diploma and it didn't work out. <laughs> I Quick backstory. I, I, I actually uh, complained to the dean about a certain teacher and they lost my exam. Uh, so they ended up failing me. Wow. That's crazy. Yeah. yeah well, the, the, the professor wasn't coming into any of the classes and he was just assigning us to read 600 pages a night where we had four other classes going on as well at the same time. And I went into the, because he had a, he had another job, so he wasn't coming in to teach. So I went to the Dean and I said, listen, I don't pay to come to college to have somebody tell me to read a book. Like I'm, I'm I need somebody to teach me what's going on and try, you know, the, the theoretical part. Yeah, I can read, but you know, there's still practical parts of it and, uh, hands-on stuff for it. And if the teacher's not going to show up, how are we supposed to learn anything? So they lost my exam and told me I had to redo it again. So I, I just dropped out. I finished it after the first year. Oh, wow. And Tom, this is my favorite question to ask my guests. If you could give just a bit of advice to any of the generations younger, older, Gen X, um, either to get through the bad times or just life advice in general, what would that be? Don't be a dick. Be nice to people, plain and simple. Uh, it's a Canadian thing. I know that uh, everyone thinks that we're really, really nice, but you know what? You get what you what you give. Uh, if you want to be an asshole to people, people are going to be an asshole to you. Uh, if you're nice to people, more than likely people are going to be nice to you. Uh, and that's, you know, that's kind of how you should go through life. Agreed. And you are a good example of that for sure, sir. Oh my gosh, Tom, thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. It's always a good time. Thanks for listening. And if you think this is worth listening to, please subscribe, share, and leave a review. Be kind to each other, listen to each other, and let's stop being separated by our differences. I don't